All right, well, next up, uh, it's just my privilege and honor to introduce to you uh, my boss uh, and the founder of Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College and the president of Truth and Liberty Coalition. I got to add that on there, Andrew Womack. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Praise God. Well, like Richard said, I want to welcome you, not only everybody that's here, but everybody that's watching online. And I'm excited. I believe this is going to make a difference. And that's what we started Truth and Liberty for, was to make a difference. And I'm not going to go through all of the speakers. Hopefully you've seen that, and that's one of the reasons you're here. But we've got some of the most uh, influential people in this nation who are making a difference and they are here to inspire us, to educate us how we can do it. And I think that this is going to really make a, a big difference. So glad that everybody's here. Real quickly, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give tonight. And I want to just share some things. First of all, that uh, matter of fact, Jason Yates, he was with us when we just started meeting as a group of people here in Colorado. And Jason was gracious enough to come from Texas sometimes zoomed in, but we just started meeting and say, what can we do to turn things around? And we met for a long time. And basically, uh, every time we got together, they said, you do something. <laughs> and so uh, David Barton and Lance Wallnow are board members on Truth and Liberty. And so we started doing a number of different things. And uh, the primary thing was our Monday night um, live cast and we started having people in like um, David Barton and uh, Greg, uh, Glenn Beck were on there and Governor Huckabee and we've had on just many, many, many people that are awesome. So they're going to be passing out envelopes. I want to say that these are truth and liberty envelopes, not Andrew Womack Ministries. I'm going to explain that in just a second, but they can go ahead and pass these out. And uh, so we just started and as we started, it kind of mushroomed. And then one time we were having a board meeting and just saying, we've got to do more. And David Barton began to share with us how they turned some things around in Texas. And I said, can we do that in Colorado? And he said, yes. And so we're doing some things. We don't publicize everything we're doing, but it is already making a huge difference. And <clears throat> we've had... Uh, this last election cycle, like uh, Richard said, we saw a lot of conservatives elected and this next election cycle, we're doing some things that are going to make a difference. So I'm saying all of this to say that when you give tonight, we have two different ways that you can give or two different organizations you can give to. Truth and Liberty Coalition is a 501c4. That means it's not tax deductible. And this allows us to take all the money that comes in there and spend it on anything political. My personal opinion is that we've got every right to do that with or without the government. God empowered us, but by starting a 501c4, they don't even bother us. And so everything that comes in under 501c4, we can use for any type of political thing. This conference is put on by Truth and Liberty Coalition. Our expenses for this conference with everybody coming in and expenses and travel and just everything is about $170,000. And uh, so Truth and Liberty will have to pay Andrew Womack Ministries for this facility and for everything we're doing to keep it separate and keep 
people off our backs. And so that's non, that is a non-tax deductible gift. And then we also have the Truth and Liberty Foundation. And that is a, I'm trying to get the wording here, an integrated auxiliary of Andrew Womack Ministries. And it's a 501c3. So if you want to give to Truth and Liberty Foundation, that is tax deductible, but it limits what we can do with that money. There still are things that we can do with it, but... Uh, so it's actually more beneficial to us, I believe, to give into the 501c4, but it is uh, not tax deductible. And uh, so you need to be aware of that. And uh, not only do we have the expenses of this meeting, but we also, as Richard said, we put out these voter guides in the last election cycle. In this election cycle, I was talking with uh, David tonight, we are going to put out a minimum of a million voter guides throughout 64 counties here in Colorado. We are concerned about the rest of the country. It's not like we're ignoring everybody else, but I figured, man, we just don't need to spread ourselves so thin that we don't make an impact. So we're trying to make an impact in Colorado. And once we see this work, we'll export it to other places. So right now we're focused on 64 counties in Colorado and there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. I want to thank Richard Harris, this guy's working harder than any one person should work. And he's, he's doing, a, doing a great job. And you are going to see a results in this next election cycle. And uh, so anyway, to put out those million voter guides, and it could be as much as a million and a half voter guides, it's going to be counting. We've now got representatives in different uh, regions of Colorado. We're holding meetings. We're doing a lot of things. So anyway, that's about $650,000 that all of that's going to cost. And uh, so anyway, this is what we're taking up offerings for. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. So up here, we've got these things and this will show you truth and liberty. Uh, I can't read over the screen. That, that's coalition. The coalition's one in the middle and Truth and Liberty Foundation is on the side and you can scan that uh, QR code and that'll take you directly to that website if you want to give that way. But these envelopes also are for your giving. If you make out a check, you can make it out either to Truth and Liberty Coalition, TLC, or Truth and Liberty Foundation. And uh, that way it'll direct whether it's tax deductible or, or uh, non-tax deductible. And you know, some people are just so committed that they have to have the tax uh, deduction. Uh, I'm not against that completely, but Jamie and I give so much that it doesn't matter. Man, we're way over what they allow you to give. Matter of fact, this last year we gave away 140% of our yearly income. So, it, you know, the tax deduction isn't a big thing to me. And even if, we, you know, we were pressed for money, I'm going to go ahead and give anyway. God will reward you in eternity for what we're doing. So we just encourage you to become a part of this. Uh, at, throughout the week, I may give you some scriptural things to inspire you, but I wanted to just give you all of those natural things so that you'd know how to give. Did I say everything according? <laughs> My lawyer down here told me how to say this. Being politically correct, legally correct is not my strong suit. And so Richard, I told him he could come up and correct me if I said something wrong, but I think we got all of that right and uh, it'll be good. So we're going to receive an offering this evening. I just encourage you to be generous and it's not just about what our needs are, but man, we are making a difference. That's what it is. It's not about just helping us. It's, 
it's making a difference in changing our culture. And in case you hadn't noticed, uh, it needs to be changed. We need to stand up. And all of these songs that Daniel was singing tonight, man, that was awesome about standing and I'm going to stand up and fight and not be shaken and stuff. Man, it's just awesome. You know, I read today one of the emails that I got was that 22% of registered Democrats said that men could get pregnant. That is unbelievable. Man, we, are, we need help. And Truth and Liberty is doing our part. So let me pray before you pass the buckets. Is anybody listening to me? This man over here is not listening to me. So Father, we love you and we just thank you for your supply. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the opportunity to make a difference Thank you, Father, for all of the people who are involved in this. And we pray over all of the finances of this meeting and the things that we're doing here. And we believe that you are touching hearts and having people give. And we thank you in advance that all of the needs are met with extra so that we can reach out and do even more. And I pray a blessing on every single person who gives. And we believe it is multiplied back to them quickly in this life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God, you can receive the offering. Awesome. All right, so I'm up next and uh, I'm just gonna minister for a short 25 minutes is all they gave me. I'm the warm-up act for Lance Wallnow. <laughs> so I'm gonna tee the ball up and let him hit it out of the park, amen. <laughs> But did you know, we're going to hear a lot of things. I was telling David Barton during uh, supper tonight that, you know, these guys know all of the history and the quotes of everybody the way I can quote Paul and Peter and these kind of guys. And so anyway, I'm going to have to stay in my lane. I'm completely supportive of everything they're doing and I'm learning more all of the time. But what I want to address tonight is... Um, you know, Jason mentioned this briefly, but there are people that actually believe that Christians should not be involved in politics. And they will sit there and quote that, you know, we shouldn't do that. Well, I'm just going to real quickly say some things, but what about Moses that went into Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he wound up bringing down the mightiest nation on the planet. What about Samuel that ordained the king and when the king got out of line, rebuked him openly and told him that the kingdom is rent from you and uh, pronounced that he was going to die in battle. What about Nathan that came and spoke to David and said, you are the man and rebuked him and things. Man, the Bible is just full of godly people standing up and making a difference in the political realm. And some people will say, well, all oh, that's Old Testament. Things have changed. You know, I remember when they came out and criticized President Trump for calling MS-13 members dogs and they just hit the roof. My first thing was, well, what about Jesus? When he says, go tell that old fox, Herod. And he called these people whited sepulchers. You're full of dead men's bones and stuff. He was speaking out against the authorities. And of course, Peter and all of the apostles, they stood up against the religious system and not only the religious system, but John, the brother of James was killed by Herod. Peter was put in prison and expected to be killed and the angel delivered him. Here's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter two 
And in verse 13, he says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And people will take scriptures like this and there's others that they use, but they take these to say, see, we just need to submit to everything. There's a lot I'd like to say, but you know, there's people that when the last election went the way that it did, I heard some of the main leaders in the body of Christ sit there and say, well, it must have been God's will because God is the one who puts people in office. What are you going to do with the scripture in Hosea chapter eight, verse four, where it says, you have set up kings, but not by me. You have founded princes, but not, but I didn't know about it. God right there shows you that he does not sovereignly just manipulate and cause things to happen. As Jason was pointing out, 25 million Christians not voting could change any election that we have. And it's the complacency of people not getting involved that is allowed all of this woke stuff that's going on. I'm sure many of you heard about it, but just in the last couple of days, one of the representatives from Louisiana called out Disney for putting out this little demon show that actually has a 13 year old girl that is the product of sex between Satan and this woman. And she is called the Antichrist. And this is something they're putting on Fox and it's openly promoting Satanism and all those kind of things. This is happening because Christians have not been involved. So when uh, Peter said this, some people think, well, see, that says that we aren't supposed to do anything. We're just supposed to take it. Look over here in Acts chapter four. This is where Peter, James, and John and other apostles were taken by the Pharisees and they were uh, grilled because they had told them not to preach in the name of the Lord. And in verse 18, Acts 4, 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or to preach, teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so here's the guy who wrote that, submit yourself to kings and to those that are in authority saying, which is right? Should we obey you or God? You have to interpret what people write by how their actions are. You know, I'm sure somebody's going to point this out, but it was just this last week that the continent, I mean, the uh, constitutional convention uh, decided to have prayer to open up the constitutional convention. And they uh, asked this uh, Presbyterian preacher to preach. And I was, I mean, to pray. And I just read some of the statements by the people that were there, John Adams and others saying they'd never heard anything like it. So the people who wrote the constitution and put in the bill of rights that is often calls, called the um, establishment clause and all of these kind of things, they say that that means there's a separation of church and state. And yet the very people who wrote those things started all of their meetings with prayer. They still start all of the uh, Supreme Court meetings, if I'm not mistaken, with prayer. And they have the Ten Commandments. I've been in there and seen that. And so anyway, it's, you interpret things by the way that they acted. And here's Peter showing you that when he says submit to ordinances of man, there's a difference between submission and obedience. 
You do not rebel. You don't sit there and fight against the government. You don't fight. This is the difference between what we do and what Antifa does that they call anarchy and they go in and just want to cause anarchy and overthrow everything. That's not godly at all. But there is a, you can still submit to government and take the punishment. They were beaten and they left there praising God that they were worthy to suffer shame for his name, but they did not obey any ungodly command. And we have to stand up and we have to take a stand on these issues. And so I just want to turn over and just use one example here of Elijah and show you what he did. Over in 1 Kings chapter 16, it says this about Ahab. And in verse 30, and Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which the sin of Jeroboam was he made two golden calves so that the Israelites would not have to go down to Jerusalem and work, worship with the people in the southern kingdom. And he made these idols and uh, that was his sin. And because of it, he and all of the males in his house were killed. So it says he not only walked in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, but he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of uh, Ethbaal, king of Zidon, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove and Ahab... Um, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel that were before him. If you also turn, I'm not going to take time to do it, but if you turn over to the 18th chapter, you find that Obadiah, when he found uh, Elijah, he says, haven't you heard what I did when Ahab and Jezebel killed all of the prophets of God? how he hid a hundred of them, two different groups, 50 in a cave and fed them for three and a half years. And so right there, it shows you that Ahab and Jezebel had been killing all of the prophets of God. They had outlawed worship of the true God of Israel. They had totally given over. They had changed the uh, state religion. And so this was a government uh, crackdown on religion and they were killing anybody who identified themselves with God. And in the midst of that situation, look in chapter 17, verse one. And Elijah the Tishbite, who is of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. And let me, before I get into what he said, look at this. They had outlawed the worship of God. They had changed it, that Israel was no longer a uh, worshiper of the true God, the God of Israel, and instead they worshiped Baal. And right in the midst of that situation, he just came in and said, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He put God back on the throne, regardless what Ahab and Jezebel said. Boy, there's some great applications here because in our society today, man, they are promoting ungodly things and Christianity is just being attacked. And there are a lot of Christians that bow to that and they're afraid of saying something that's going to affect people. Elijah made an impact because he went right to the top man and said, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. It doesn't matter what they say. America was founded to be a Christian nation. It's not functioning that way at this moment. And there's, we could just go on and on. And I'm sure a lot of the speakers are going to be pointing out how desperate the situation is and how we need to change things. 
And so there's a lot of things in this nation that don't even resemble Christianity. It's a total departure from everything that God called us to do. But that doesn't change how this nation was founded. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles and the body of Christ needs to stand up against the rewriting of history and all of this woke stuff that's happening. And in order for us to do that, we're going to have to learn true history. And of course, we got Bill Fetter and David Barton together in one meeting. Somebody asked why I didn't put them back to back. And I said, I don't think we could handle David Barton and Bill Federer back to back. These two guys are some of the greatest authorities on godly history uh, that I know of in the world. It's just awesome. And we've got some great people speaking, but we don't need to give up the fact that this is a, was a Christian nation. It was founded that way. That is still the foundation. And I firmly believe that the vast majority of Americans still have a Judeo-Christian foundation in them. Right here on this stage, we had Michael Ferris with Alliance Defending Freedom get up and say something that really struck my heart. And he said, we had nine people in black robes that overruled the vast majority of Americans and what their morals were and that they had been legislating from the bench. Praise God through President Trump, we've seen that balance of the Supreme Court change. And we saw Roe versus Wade overturned, which is a praise the Lord. And there's some great things happening, but certainly we got plenty of work in front of us. And I believe that we're going to be hearing some great things. But he said, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He says, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Did you know that Elijah had a word from God and because of it, he went and spoke it publicly, not just to a few people. He didn't get in his prayer closet and just pray about it. I'm going to say something right here that'll bother some of you, but we need to be bothered. But you know, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. I'm going to expand on that. And I believe this is absolutely true that prayer without works is dead. And we've got a lot of Christians that are saying, pray that God will change things. Pray that God will put the right people in. Again, I go back to Hosea 8, 4. You've put in kings, but it wasn't by me. God doesn't control just like a pawn who gets into office and who wins. He established this nation and, you know, uh, a citizen, uh, Bill Federer makes a point of this all of the time, that that is a co-ruler is what that word it literally comes from in the Greek. We are the kings. We are the ones who rule. And when we don't vote, then we allow those with different values, we increase their power and stuff. And it's Christians that have allowed this nation to go the way that it is. And so we've got a lot of Christians that have substituted prayer for doing something. I'm not against prayer. I'll always have somebody come up and say, boy, you don't believe in prayer. I do believe in prayer, but I don't believe it's a substitute for doing the right thing. I don't believe you can pray in your prayer closet and then not vote and not stand up and speak the truth and keep your mouth shut because you're afraid of people rejecting you. And I'm preaching to the choir right here. You're the people who are motivated, but this is for all the people that didn't come and are watching by the live stream. 
But I'm telling you, we, Elijah didn't just pray and, and say, God, I'm believing that you're going to send a drought. No, he stood up and spoke. Did you know if he hadn't have spoken this and pronounced this as a prophecy, then when it came to pass, if he would have stood up and he said, this is what I prayed for, it would have been easy for Ahab and Jezebel to say, oh, sure, you're just claiming that. But because he prophesied it when there was plenty of rain and there was still an abundance, when the drought came, everybody knew exactly what caused it. And this propelled him to a place of preeminence, to a place where in the 18th chapter, he was in control. He told the king what to do. He told the king to gather everybody together and the king was doing what the prophet said because he had stood up and spoken the word. Most of us don't have a national platform like this, but if you would stand up and speak the word of God in your workplace, in your family, in your church, and if you would stand up and begin to take a stand, I guarantee you then when things begin to turn around, people would recognize that was God. Amen. You know, this is one of the things that drew me to Lance is because Lance prophesied that Trump was going to be president when nobody believed Trump was going to be president. And he took, a, he took a risk. And I think your book came out, wasn't it the week that they ex, uh, ex exposed Trump and his sexual things? And he was thinking, oh man, I'm dead. <laughs> but it turned out he was right. And because of that, everybody now says, man, Lance heard from God. But if he would have just been praying and hadn't have said something, he wouldn't have the influence that he has today. We've got a word from God. And let me say, some people think, well, God spoke to him special. You know, if you turn over to Deuteronomy, I'd have to, let's see. I forgot exactly where this is. I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 16 and 17. Maybe they can find that and put it up there. But there is a scripture where the Lord said, if you forsake me, if you turn away, I will send a drought on the land until all of your food is gone and things like this. Elijah didn't hear some special word. You know what he was doing? He was enforcing the prophecy that was given through Moses in Deuteronomy. You don't have to have a special word from God to stand up and speak. You would have to have a word from God not to stand up and speak. We have a command. We are the salt and the light of the earth and we are supposed to be getting out of the salt shaker and we're supposed to be making a difference. And so from scripture, I'm saying that Christians, believers have a responsibility to impact their culture. And let me just point out one other thing. I've only got a few minutes here, but one other thing that happened, Elijah spoke the word that God gave him to the man who was killing all the prophets of God. He was putting his neck on the chopping block. He didn't know what the results of this was going to be. And here's something that just amazes me. I've had so many people come to me during this pandemic when they sit there and say, you're going to be fired if you don't get a vaccine and if you don't conform and wear this mask and do these things. I've had quite a few people come and say that their business is demanding that they get the vaccine, demanding that they conform to all of these things. And I'll ask them, I said, is that what you want to do? And I had, I had this one guy who was a nurse, male nurse, and he said, no, God told me not to take the vaccine. And I said, well, then don't take it. And he says, but I'll lose my job. Did you know that just shocks me? <laughs> that somebody says God told them not to do something 
and they're going to debate whether they do it based on what the outcome will be. You know, Elijah, he went and spoke what God told him to do. And there was a very good possibility he could be put to death. And it was in the second verse where it says, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, arise hence and get thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith uh, that is before Jordan and that I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. God didn't tell him that he was going to protect him and how he was going to provide for him during this drought until after he had already acted on the word. And I asked David Barton this tonight, and I think I'm correct to say John Quincy Adams is the one who said that duty is ours, results are God's. You should never, ever, 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 ever evaluate what is the right thing to do based on the outcome. You don't control the outcome. You can't control other people. You know, I believe in victory. Man, God has protected me and has done great things. Right here, we've had a fight in Woodland Park and we won the fight. And just in August, uh, man, the city released us and even admitted that what they asked us to do was illegal. We won hands down. And so praise God, there's good things happening. But I can't guarantee that I'm gonna win every single fight. You know, uh, James was put in prison and beheaded. And every one of the 12 apostles died except John. And John, they tried to kill John. The history has it that he was boiled in oil and survived. And so you can't guarantee that everything's going to work out. And there's so many people that say, well, what's the use in me voting if they're going to change the votes, if this is going to happen? You don't do what you're supposed to do based on what the outcome might be. We've got to do what's right. And I believe if we got enough Christians, as Jason was talking about, and if we got Christians to stand up and vote, we'd overwhelm all of their algorithms and we'd go ahead and beat their, their cheating things. But whether that happens or not, we do what's right regardless of what the outcome is. You need to stand up and take a stand. And if they fire you from your job, let them fire you. I guarantee you, God will give you back something much, much greater but never evaluate what God tells you to do based on what you think the results is going to be. Amen. Boy, that is, I'm saying this in love, but I'm out of time. I got to be blunt. That is super carnal. That is super immature that you would sit there and know what God wants you to do and debate whether you're going to do it or not, because it might not work out to your benefit. You know, that's not even worthy to be put in the same category as the people like the apostles and the early believers who gave their life in the Circus Maximus in the Colosseum and sacrificed their life and it faced total death and faced all kinds of things. And here we are worried that somebody's liable to roll their eyes or call you a homophobe or, or, or somehow or another a some other name. Man, that is just so immature. And again, I know I'm preaching to the ones who are taking a stand. That's why you're, why you're here. But we need to go out and recognize that the Bible teaches that we are supposed to engage our society. It is a godly thing to stand up. It is ungodly for you to know the truth and not share it. You know, I had a man come to me one time and ask me, he was telling me a situation and he says, what's wrong? And he started telling me the situation. And as he started talking to me, boy, God showed me 
a major problem with him. The problem was in him, not the other person. And as he was talking, I sat there and debated about God. Should I say this to him? Should I tell him this? Because I knew there was a very good potential of him uh, not liking it and rebelling at it. And as I was debating this, the Lord just spoke to me and he says, you do not have the right to reject the truth for another person. If he rejects the truth, let him reject it. But you do not have the authority to reject the truth for another person. And he just told me, this is one of the reasons that I'm blunt because I just don't beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you the truth as, as best I can. And if you get offended, that's your business. But I'm not going to sit here and reject the truth for you. I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you choose to reject it, that's one thing. You know, Richard came to me and we've been canceled on um, YouTube. I don't even know how many times. And he says, or I think it might've been Andrew Wirtz that came and said that they canceled you. And if you get canceled so many times, it could be a permanent thing and they could just take you off of YouTube. And I said, well, that's good. You know, that's the right thing for him to come tell me. But I said, I'm not, they, they said, do you want to change what you said so that we won't get canceled? And I said, that would be censoring myself. I said, if they censor me, let them censor me, but I'm not going to censor myself. They win if I do that. And this is what our world is doing. They're sitting there using intimidation and stuff, trying to get us to self-censor. I tell you, we're the ones that have the truth. We're the ones that stand up. It is the history. It is the precedent in this nation for the clergy, for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. And I tell you, it's our fault. Finney is the one who said, if this nation ever goes in the wrong direction, the responsibility lays at the feet of the clergy. And man, this is because we got people like Raphael Warnock trying to use the Bible to prove that abortion is a Christian right. That's just a lie. It's deception. And we need to stand up and call a spade a shovel. Amen. <laughs> and speak out on these issues. So that's my little introduction.